Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Beat My Guest. I'm your host, AJ Mass. If you're new to the show, each week I invite a guest to sit in the hot seat and field questions in a wide variety of topics, earning points for the episode on a scale of 1 to 100. For those of you playing along at home, you have but one task set before you, and that is to see if you can beat my guest. Mm, but before you can beat my guest, you need to meet my guest. So let's give a warm welcome to today's guest, Austin Trump. Austin, how are you, sir? I am doing great, AJ. I'm very excited to be on this. It's been it's been a long time coming. We pushed off till after the Jewish holidays, but uh, but I am amped and ready to go. Well, uh, Austin, uh, why don't you? Uh, I mean, I know who you are, but I'm sure some of my listeners are saying, "Who the heck is this guy?" Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what brings you to the hot seat here tonight? Uh, well, I am a 25 year old for the, for the demographics there, a millennial from uh, the state of Maryland, great state of Maryland, and uh, we were able to connect through the, this uh, ridiculous thing that I created while I was in college a few years ago called Survivor Maryland, and and I'm sure everyone knows you are a big Survivor fan, so. I created this kind of silly, uh, but not actually silly, fan-made version of the game at my college and uh, somehow turned into a niche internet uh, fad for a bit. So that was a lot of fun. But uh, really, really cool to uh, meet to meet you there and, and talk to you through that. I think you're underselling it a little bit there. I mean, I, I realize you, you didn't necessarily get a Sia coming up at your uh, final Tribal Council <laughs> recap to uh, give out uh, thousands of dollars to your cast. But uh, uh, Austin was the Jeff Probst of the Survivor Maryland, in addition to being uh, casting and editing and really jack-of-all-trades. And uh, if you have not seen this, uh, go on YouTube, track it down. Uh, you, you could start right in with the All-Star season. Uh, he's got several seasons up there online, but... I, I got to say, Austin, uh, the way you edited this, it was far better than several uh, of the more recent seasons of the actual Survivor in terms of storytelling. Uh, you know, the budget, sure. Uh, you're in college. You're, you're on a shoestring budget. That That's not comparable, but you forget about that so quickly. Uh, kudos to you, and uh, I, I, I highly recommend your show. Well, thank you so much. I, I like to set people's expectations low because they're automatically going to come in saying, well, what is this like? you know low budget college creation but yeah I, I was able to put together this really cool mix of people and stories and uh, and it was so much fun to to share that with you and everyone and now i'm just uh this like time suck this like second full-time job i had is not part of my life anymore so that's why uh, trivia is my next big foray i i feel like i i need to like relearn all of the pop culture and facts and things that i've missed out on for the past six years so i think that might that might show a little bit tonight Indeed, indeed. Well, you know, let me go over the rules for you, Austin, to ease you into the the real world. Wait, that's a different reality show. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's going to be four rounds of four questions apiece. In each round, I'll let you know the categories in order they'll be using for that round. Before I read each question, you get to lock in how many points you wish each question to be worth. Get it right. You get the points. It is just that simple. And there's also going to be a halftime bonus worth 10 points. At the end of the game, you'll field what we call the confidence question, which is your last chance to try and improve your final score. I will explain all all of that when we get there we cannot get there until you find the hidden immunity idol somewhere in a bush somewhere N never mind enough <laughs> Austin. are you ready to kick things off i am ready my friend is three for three in jeopardy uh shout out to eric agard and so i feel like this is my night i'm ready to go all right uh your night and round one uh point values available to you will be one three five and seven and here are the categories we'll be using for this episode kicking things off with history we're going to follow that up with sports move along to music and we're going to wrap up round one with what 
comes next. But history is up first. One, three, five, or seven. Okay. Well, I, I liked history throughout my life, but I'm going to give this one three. All right. Three points for history. Good luck, sir. And here is your first question. James K. Polk was a relatively unknown Tennessee Democrat before he upset Henry Clay to become president, thanks in part to what numerical slogan? This is funny. I was just talking about Henry Clay two days ago. I was trying to explain to someone that he was the best compromiser in history, that why can't we have Henry Clay in today's society to do compromises? Um, and I remember him losing a lot of elections. Unfortunately, they all kind of blended together because he lost so many of them. Um, <laughs> James Polk. Let's see. Uh, this is somewhere in the mid 1800s. Uh, it's not make 18 great again. Um, <laughs> oof. James Polk, Henry Clay. I don't know. Maybe uh, it was a reelection or something, although I feel like he was one term. We're going to go with uh, it takes two, baby. <laughs> it takes two, comma, baby. <laughs> to make a thing go right, uh, perhaps it takes two to win a presidential election. Unfortunately, uh, Austin, I cannot give you the points. Uh, <laughs> James K. Polk was, uh, if uh, you're a They Might Be Giants fan out there, you know that uh, they sang a song about James K. Polk, and uh, he did only serve one term. Uh, he was really endorsing this whole thing about... Uh, we are going to get the Oregon Territory and mm. it's ours and we're getting the whole thing. There will be no compromise. Unlike Henry Clay, who was the great compromiser, uh, James K. Polk ran on a, on a platform of not compromising and we were going to get all of the Oregon Territory, which ran all the way up to the uh, line of latitude 5440. So his oh. slogan was 5440 or fight. Wow! Wow! I remember that from uh, from uh, high school. Now, now I feel old. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, it I, only I, seems I like you've been in college somewhere. for the last six years. <laughs> it's, it's, I pretty much have been. <laughs> Certainly was yeah, stu- not studying history. I was studying Survivor. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, it's okay. It's the first question. Plenty of questions left to go here. Uh, we have not voted you out of the hot seat just yet. Sports is up next. You have a one. You have a five. You have a seven. What say you, sir? All right. Well, my only chance here is to is to do decently in sports. So uh, I, I'm going to go seven for sports. All right. Seven for sports. Good luck. And here's your seven point sports question. With 310 saves over the course of 22 seasons, what Hall of Famer led both the Yankees and Padres to the World Series while wearing uniform number 54? I was hoping it was going to be a Charles Clay question. That was that was my uh, my goal for the transition. You know, I go um, obscure sometimes, uh, certainly Austin, but uh, you know, Buffalo Bills tight ends, not not so much. <laughs> so we're talking baseball saves here. I'm on that. I was initially thinking hockey. We've got the Yankees and Padres, number fifty four, fifty four. So it's not Rivera because um, he was, I think, forty two. My uh, baseball is my weakness, and that is your strength. This is this was this was a tough match. Um, I know Padres who played for the Padres. Um, I guess I'll try to think of a Yankees closer, and uh, I'm going to say Nolan Ryan, although I don't feel good about it at all. Nolan Ryan oh, is your closer. <laughs> it's fine. Go for it. Do you want to retract? <laughs> 
no, 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 it's too late. Uh, Nolan Ryan is your answer. Now, Nolan Ryan did play in New York. He started his career there. Of course, he was playing with the Mets uh, at the time, and he was a reliever. So he did start his uh, career as a reliever before he uh, went uh, to California, became like uh, one of the greatest starters of all time, super strikeout guy, but also a super walk guy, but a lot of no hitters. Uh, and of course, he's probably uh, very famous on the YouTube with his video of giving uh, Robin Ventura a bunch of noogies as he charged the mound after a hit batsman. Uh, none of that is relevant to this question, however. In the uh, late 70s, uh, this pitcher, who used to also pitch for the White Sox, kind of became the go-to guy for saves. Back in the day when you actually pitched three whole innings to get the save. I mean, the reliever came in the seventh, and he finished out the game. Wasn't this one batter safe thing that they do these days uh and his name was rich gossage nicknamed goose goose gossage is the answer ringing a bell but would not have rang the bell if there was any other wording of the question either so good fair enough fair enough you know we like to educate as well as entertain austin it's it's not about uh the right or wrong it's about the journey you're catching me up yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, hopefully we won't have too many more Fallen Con Rabbits along the way here as we move along <laughs> to music. Uh, you have a one and you have a five. Are you hip to the music scene? No, but um, <laughs> music has always been my weakest point. But uh, but actually, you know, I feel like that might, might be something I have kind of stayed up with recently. But who historical music. I'm going to go with one for music. I'm going to take the shot on what comes next. All right. One point for music. Here is your one-point music question. Let's get on the scoreboard with this one. In the lead-up to the death of a character named Goose during a dogfight, what Kenny Loggins tune foreshadows his eventual demise? Death of a Goose. Um, well, this is probably a spoiler for a movie I haven't seen. I feel like there's a Goose in Top Gun, but uh, what? Kenny Loggins song. So this would require me to know a character named Goose, a song by Kenny Loggins, or either one. And I'm unfortunately seem to be striking out on both of those. Uh, let's go to uh, maybe Kenny Loggins is a big believer in karma, and that's what foreshadowed it for. Or, or, or okay, but hold on. Maybe there's something about the goose is cooked. Um, I'm gonna say there's a, he's got a song called "The Goose Is Cooked." <laughs> the goose is cooked. Wow, I thought that would be literal foreshadowing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's uh, take a gander at goose's corpse, everybody. Uh, <laughs> you know, the eighties were were uh, a time when sometimes uh, political correctness was not quite where it is today, Austin. But uh, wow, you're brutal. <laughs> You know, the thing is, you actually had the movie correct. Uh, oh, man. We are indeed talking about Top Gun. Uh, Goose, played by Anthony Edwards, dies in a dogfight amongst the uh, jet fighters. It was a training drill, and Tom Cruise as Maverick was the pilot, and uh, he made some horrible mistakes, could not press the eject button in time, and sadly, Goose was cooked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And just before that seed takes place, we get Kenny Loggins uh, happily, perhaps because, you know, he was in a recording studio and wasn't given the script, uh, singing the song Danger Zone. Oh, <laughs> I see wow, the light bulb has got off a little too late. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I, th- I think seeing the movie would have been helpful. Um, it's a, a real oversight on my part, to be fair, not on yours. Yeah, well, you know what? They are uh, in the in the midst of a remake, and uh, Kenny Loggins oh. is also uh, re-recording the song for use in said remake. So uh, all I have to say is if you hear uh, the tune Danger Zone, uh, run. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no you know, this is a moral victory. This is a moral victory for me. I think You're identifying the movie. I feel I feel okay about that one. Absolutely. You know, this is this is all about uh, uh, the friendly uh, give and take, the banter. It's all about the banter. <laughs> the gander. Uh, yeah, well, that, that too. <laughs> uh, well, what's good for uh, the gander is good for Austin. Uh, up next is what comes next. It will be worth five points for that is all that's left you. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to say some. Some of these questions are easy. Some of these questions are a little more difficult. We'll see how this one falls for you, sir. <laughs> I am ready. Bella, Coco, Charlie. What comes next? Okay. Well, we're in a, a little bit of an alphabetical order here, except for the fact that Charlie comes after Coco, so that or before Coco, so that one doesn't work. That one off, as I think of it. Um, <laughs> Bella. Is uh, we could go a Disney theme here. We've got Bella from um, is Bella from Beauty and the Beast? I think that sounds right. Uh, Coco, it's a recent movie. Um, Charlie. Um, oh, okay, scrapping that one. Uh, <laughs> let's think about the last question. Danger Zone, and I can't see how that applies to any of those names. Henry Clay was mentioned here. Um, you know. Henry Clay was something when I heard it was very exciting. And so I'm going to take a, uh, a real, real shot in the dark here. I'm going to say Henry is what comes next. Henry is what comes next, according to uh, Mr. Trump here. Uh, so uh, Belle is the name of the Disney princess, not Bella. Bella was more <laughs> the, uh, uh, the Kristen Stewart character in Twilight, if I was going the vampire route, which I am not in this case. Uh, as close as we are to Halloween, notwithstanding. Uh, so it's a good thing you derailed from that train very quickly. I- I'm going to be honest here. This is not an easy one. Uh, so do not feel bad when I tell you that uh, Henry is not the correct answer. Uh, but if you did go back to the last question, uh, we were discussing that Goose had died during a dogfight. And uh, this is the top four names of the uh, official list from uh, those people who keep track of uh, the naming of dogs, the most popular dog names of 2018. Bella is number one on the list. Coco is number two. Charlie is number three. And in 2018, if you have a dog, uh, odds are good that you have named it Lucy. Huh. Go figure. Who knew? I mean, you know, maybe you would have thought these were early Charlie Brown characters and might have also come up with Charlie and Lucy because there's a connection there. <laughs> I mean, I, I, look, it was a tough one. Some of these are difficult. Some of these are, uh, well, none of these are gimmies, let's be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they were, I certainly didn't take them. So <laughs> uh, fair enough. Look, OK, so you were shut out in round one. It's OK. Because there is still uh, a huge amount of game left, and quite frankly, you're not the first. You're no trailblazer in this department. <laughs> <laughs> but how are you feeling now that you got your feet wet? You know, the hot seat is hot. Um, I can't. I can't lie. It's it's definitely warm. But um, I'm 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 taking it in as I go, and I feel like I'm learning, as I said. And 
I think round two has has a bright future. I, you know, this this I love an underdog story and a David story, and I feel like uh, this this is a, a has a chance for it. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, call me Goliath as I uh, move on to round two here. Uh, point bet is available to <laughs> the you. The goose Arch. is not cooked yet. No, not yet. Not yet. Point bet is available to you. Are two, four, six, and eight. Who do we appreciate? We appreciate you, Austin. Thank you for staying uh, and not running for the hills. Because look, <laughs> let's face it: the Maryland winters are out there, and I watched uh, one of your seasons that was held outdoors in the winter, and <laughs> not 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 my cup of tea at all. Uh, round two: the categories we'll be using. We'll get kick things off with mashup. Followed it up with audio hodgepodge, which admittedly is a bit of a lifestyle. Then we're going to move along to who done it, and we're going to wrap up round two and the first half with. Wiggle room, no singing, no singing, just wiggle room. <laughs> uh, mashup is up first. Two, four, six, or eight. I'll go with four for these because I like them, but they're tough. Uh, well, you know, they're, they're, they involve a little bit of uh, cleverness, perhaps. Uh, four points for the mashup. Good luck. And here we go. After 160 episodes portraying Aria on Pretty Little Liars, she put on a pair of Nikes and joined the Heaven's Gate cult, searching for a comet. Aria, Pretty Little Liars, of Nikes. Okay, so the little I know of Pretty Little Liars, there is a character named A. Um, that's like the big deal. Got to find out who's A. It seems like A could be Aria. That would that would be logical. The only Aria I'm very familiar with is the Game of Thrones Aria which does not seem to be particularly helpful here, but maybe. Um, no, I don't think so. Um, so, okay. Put on her Nikes. She put on her Nikes and Heaven's Gate. I don't even It sounded like one phrase. That's. It sounded like it all made sense. Um, <laughs> well, that's, that's just clever, clever question writing. <laughs> <laughs> so you said it took a little cleverness, which I'm having trouble tapping into. Searching for a comet. The problem, oh, I don't know a single actor for you in a liars. And I can't think of what the Nike's heaven skate would be. Um, I uh, am going to go with a, uh, a, a childhood favorite of mine who um, maybe this is what she um, blossomed into and, and developed it later on. And I'm going to go with Miranda Cosgrove. Going to heaven to search for a comet galaxy stars astrology astronomy oriented um uh miranda cosgrove star <laughs> miranda cosgrove star uh, i think that's just what's written on her uh, dressing room door <laughs> miranda cosgrove star um yeah it would have helped see uh, this is a show that my wife really got into and started uh, binging and ended up watching every single episode of uh, I did not watch 160 episodes. I, I did watch a few, but it would have helped to know who played Arya on Pretty Little Liars. Certainly, uh, the actress who uh, did uh, handle that role, uh, and she was not A, as it turns out. Uh, Lucy Hale was the name of that actress. Probably a little before your time, uh, there was this cult called uh, Heaven's Gate, and they believed that uh, this comet that was about to approach Earth was uh, actually going to take them all away. And so they uh, did a little Jonestown thing there and drank the uh, poison Kool-Aid and uh, they were all wearing Nike shoes and uh, purple uh, blankets and whatnot. Uh, and the name of that comet was the Hale-Bopp Comet. So we were looking for 
Lucy Halebop. Okay. Lucy Halebop it is. I will say I've, I might have needed help. A phone a friend from uh, Jordan Schubel from uh, Survivor Maryland. He was a big Pretty Little Liars fan. Yes. Uh, it was not Lucy Haley's comment, although I'm sure some of the people who might not have remembered Halebop might have guessed that, but no points for you on that one. Uh, we're going to forget this ever happened, much like uh, most people in, in the aftermath of the Heaven's Gate uh, cult murders wanted to forget that ever happened because it weren't pretty. <laughs> uh, we're going to move along to Audio Hodgepodge. Austin, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to ask you a question. It's going to be a really easy question. The problem is it's going to refer to this clip that I'm then going to play for you. Hopefully, I mean, really, hopefully... After you hear this clip, you'll be able to answer the question, no problemo. But before I read you the question, you must tell me how much you want to wager on Audio Hodgepodge, two, six, or eight. Uh, we will go with, uh, we'll go with the full eight on this one. Full eight. I admire your courage. We'll see if it is misguided or not <laughs> as I read you the following <laughs> uh, question. Very simply, I want you to listen to the following clip. All you have to do is tell me the name of the band responsible for this song. Uh, um, by the way, it's being played backwards. Wow, but I, I already figured out what's going to haunt me in my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a catchy little ditty. <laughs> it kind of was. It, okay. Um, Do you recognize it even in reverse? I, I'm going to need the name of the band, so uh, let's see what's going on in your brain or yours. We've got a, a female singer. I've identified that much by my uh, considerable powers of deduction. Um, that seems pretty good to me. Uh, a little bit of an upbeat. It does sound uh, a bit of a uh, of a '90s style tune. Um, the song, for familiar, as I said, music is is not my uh, my absolute specialty. That part, the tune would be helpful. There weren't a ton of words, so so the tune seems like a pretty defining feature. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, a couple singers. So we got to play the game of we've got Lucy's, we've got uh, Hale Bop. Hall, Halley, Haley's Comet was mentioned, so we could get like a Haley Steinhardt in there. Um, she was from Paramore, so that's an option. Um, well, Gwen Stefani sound to it could be no doubt. I, I, uh, these are the only two ideas I can come up with is either No Doubt or, or Paramore, and um, I'm gonna go and try to play the uh, the the Hale Haley's game, and I'm gonna go with Paramore for this. Paramore is your answer. Uh, listening to your logic on that, I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, when you're not sure, that is absolutely the way to go: is to uh, kind of piece together the clues from the previous uh, answers. So, uh, kudos for the thought process. No kudos for the answer. Uh, not correct, <laughs> and it was not no doubt either. You were thinking Lucy. You were thinking Hale and Haley. 
you should have been thinking bop for that was mm, bop. Oh, oh, uh. not a girl but a prepubescent boy and that was <laughs> hansen <laughs> okay I, I the vibes of that make sense i would not have known the band so i'm okay with it but a more more intelligent person would have done but uh but we'll take it you know, it's okay. It's okay. We still have two questions left in this half. We have two points. We have six points. Up next is Who Done It? I'm going to read you a little bit of a biographic sentence or two about somebody from history. And you just tell me, quite simply, Who Done It? So two points or six points? I'm going to go with, uh, I think, the Wiggle Room. As much as I love the Wiggle Room, I'm going to, I find those to be, you know, it's not an exact answer. So I'm going to go six for the Who Done It. Six for Who Done It. Good luck. And here is your Who Done It question. He was born in 1883 in Minnesota, overcame polio, and started selling buttercream candy made from his Tacoma, Washington kitchen in 1911, which eventually led his family to fortune. Who Done It? So we've got a, a bunch of things here. We've got 1883. That that places that person in prominence in you know the the early to mid nineteen hundreds. Um, we can say that polio. That's a that's a nice data point. I, I wouldn't say I know everybody who had polio, but I there are a few. <laughs> you you, you weren't taking out. a survey of everybody <laughs> in the history I, who had polio. <laughs> I know, shocking, but um, I have not. Um, FDR had polio. That's one person I know. So that's that's one starting point. Just gonna put a, put a pin in that. Buttercream candy. Uh, now, I am a big fan of, of butterscotch candy, but I, I have not come across buttercream too often um, in my life. Um, and Tacoma, Washington, I, that, that location doesn't ring a bell. Something so, so that makes me think, okay, we've got uh, maybe there's a, a big conglomerate of candy that would be worth, worth thinking about. Um, could be like a, like a Nestle is one part I'm thinking of. Um, it could have uh, Reese's. So a couple things to go from here. Um, I don't think the Roosevelt's were known for their candy. Uh, and I'm trying to think if, if FDR could, could fit the profile here. Because if I missed that, that would be, that'd be rough. Hanson, just to, to make sure we check that box. Hanson was the last one. Uh, Hanson and Gretel. That's not related. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Buttercream candy. That's that's what I'm really getting stuck on. What are the buttercream candies? Milk Milky Way is not a buttercream. So I'm I'm torn between saying two things. I'm torn be, between going with FDR because he's the only person that I'm certain of having polio. Um, or I I want to feel like like Nestle. That kind of could fit the time when it rose to prominence. Um, and and that could be a family name. I, I'm gonna go with. I'm just going to go with FDR. All right, FDR is your answer. Uh, FDR, yeah, at polio. So, again, you are tap dancing all around this. I said that the candy was what brought his family fortune. So, certainly, it probably would have been better to go in the direction of a Nestle or a Reese's. Yeah. Uh, we just went from Hale-Bop. We moved along to Mmm-Bop. And we are looking for... M and M's. This is the Mars family, specifically Frank C. Mars. Mars would have been sufficient for the points. 
Uh, he is the father of Forrest Senior, who would take his father's uh, uh, candy making uh, expertise and establish the M M&M and Company. So Frank C. Mars was the answer. Got it. Okay. Um, Ballpark. Ballpark, and, sir. Yeah. But his th- thoughts were there. Uh, thoughts were there. Did not formulate yet, but we're but we're like a team kind of developing in the minors, and and soon we're we're gonna make our leap. Is how it's working. Yeah, your second half club. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, your first few episodes didn't even make it to YouTube, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Very true. <laughs> One question left in the first half. It is worth two points. It is the wiggle room, which is our numbers category. And as always, uh, I'm going to give you that lovely wiggle room of 10% in either direction. The answer will be a number. Here is your question, Austin, according to the M&M factory in New Jersey. How much time does it take for 1 billion individual candies to be produced? That's 1 billion with a B. Do I get a uh, metric for for measuring time? You can use whatever metric you want. You have a 10% wiggle room in either direction. Okay. A billion candies. Uh, That is a lot of candies. Um, I'm guessing there's some absurd stat that America consumes that in a day or something. So a billion candies, and we've got this is this is a single factory. This is the one they they have two factories, the M and M Corporation. Uh, one is in New Jersey. I don't remember right now where the other one is. Uh, I think it's on the West Coast. <laughs> but uh, but yes, this is a single factory to produce one billion individual candies. I, I can I kind of think they can make at least you know hundreds of thousands of candies in a day. I'm going to go with that. It takes six months to make a billion candies. Six months is your answer. You know, Americans like candy. And uh, the Industrial Revolution did a lot of wonderful things and made automation uh, a super, super speedy process. The question is, how speedy do you have to be to make one billion candies? As it turns out, not all that long. Um, (laughs) As soon as I said it, I'm thinking it's got to be actually pretty quick. It takes four hours. To make one <laughs> billion candy. Oh my gosh. Is that within yeah. the 10%? <laughs> so yeah, with the wiggle room, uh, you can go anywhere from 3.6 hours or 216 minutes through 4.4 hours or 264 minutes. Uh, but yeah, we're looking at four hours. <laughs> Basically, you could uh, feed a family of four for a year with your estimate there. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be healthy, That's it. you could do it. Nah. Could do it. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think I really didn't factor in the individual M and M's to the same extent for the metric. But yes, that I should have, considering that was the category, the topic. <laughs> Look, it's okay. You know, I, I know that a lot of people are going to say Austin doesn't have any points as we head into halftime, but that's okay because the highest scoring rounds are still coming up, and the halftime bonus is our only partial credit question of the game, and you can really uh, improve your score. Well, I mean, couldn't get any worse. So of course you can improve it, but. <laughs> Here's how this is going to work. I'm going to ask you the question. Then we're going to pause for a few moments where I can insert uh, a sponsor if I had a sponsor, but I don't. So I'm just going to blabber for a few minutes, uh, you know, and tell you where the websites are and the Twitter account and all that nonsense. And then I'm going to come back and find out if you can correctly answer this question. But I can't do that until I give you the question. Arshan, are you ready for the question? I am ready for the question. Okay. According to numbers.com website, which analyzes uh, box office and movies, there are nine movies in the top 200 all-time worldwide box office, not adjusted for inflation, 
which have numbers in their title that are not tied to part one or part two or any sequel numbers. So, you know, episode four, five, six, none of that. If it has something to do with the actual sequence of the movie in the series, that doesn't count. Part one, two doesn't count. There are nine movies in the top 200 all-time worldwide box office that have numbers in the title. For two points each, Austin, I'm going to ask you to name for me any five of those nine films. I'm going to give you a little bit of time to think about that, and we'll be back with your answer after the break. Are you beating my guest, or is my guest beating you? Tell us all about it on Twitter or Gmail at BMGPod. If you like what you're hearing, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you'd like to support Beat My Guest, helping to make more episodes like this possible, please consider becoming a patron at patrons.podbean.com slash beatmyguest. And now back to me for the second half of this week's episode. And welcome back to Beat My Guest. My guest this week is Austin Trump. And when we last left Austin, he was still searching for his first points of the game. But I have a feeling that... Better days are on the horizon here. He was working on the following halftime bonus question. According to numbers.com website, there are nine movies in the top 200 all-time worldwide box office, not adjusted for inflation, that have numbers in the title. They are not part ones or part twos. They are not sequels like Fast and Furious 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Uh, for two points each, I've asked Austin to name for me any five of these nine films. Austin, talk it out. Let's see what you got. All right. The issue is, I found a lot of movies with numbers, but I'm having trouble thinking of major blockbusters that have numbers. Um, and, and I know I'm sure there are some, um, but I striking out. I'm in mean, all these niche movies, these cult movies that are maybe top 200 IMDb critically uh, rated, which is a list I like to to, to traffic. Um, but we'll, we'll give it a shot. I'm going to start off with something that had got a lot of critical acclaim at the time. And I'm hoping that translates somewhat to the box office. It did have some big names. Um, I'm going to go and give one option for Million Dollar Baby. Mm -hmm. Oh, and that actually reminded me of another one that this one I do feel good about. A, a, a word that has number, a number in part of the word. Does that count? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> If it's what? number related, it would count. I mean, if you're talking about, uh, you know, a, a movie that was called Lonely has O N E in it, so that wouldn't count. So I, you know, no, 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 no. number related. I think. Well, then probably. I'm going to hope that uh, Slumdog Millionaire is uh, something that made a big rise in the box office. Um, so I'm going to give that one a shot. Uh, I've got. Got a bunch of other things that I've been floating around. Um, like, you know, I think there is a, a disaster movie 2012, but and those often get a lot of people to go there. But I, I kind of hope that that's not in the top 200 of all time. Um, we've got some some big classics like uh, 12 Angry Men is one that has been on my mind. That's got the number 12, but also 12 Years a Slave. And I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards something that that's more recent in the, the inflated box office numbers. So I'm going to go and try 12 years of slave along with that. Uh, I was trying to think of uh, Tarantino movies. I like um, hateful eight came to mind, but I don't, I don't feel like that made the top 200 box office. I don't think it was a huge box office hit. Um, I know that uh, the movie seven is one that I haven't seen, but a lot of people love. 
I'm going to lock in. I feel like this one was pretty big at the time. It's got Eminem music. I'm going to lock in, try to lock in Eight Mile. And for my last choice, floating between 12 Angry Men, between uh, 21 Jump Street is a big recent movie that comes to mind. One thing I'm thinking about is whether uh, X-Men could count because uh, <laughs> because it's the, 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 the letter is also a Roman numeral, but I don't think that fits the category here. Um, Eight Crazy Nights with Adam Sandler. I, I'm going to go and try... I'm going to try 21 Jump Street. So your answer is uh, Million Dollar Baby, Slumdog Millionaire, 12 Years a Slave, 8 Mile, and 21 Jump Street. Correct. Do I have that correct, sir? You got that. Okay. Well, I'm going to uh, read the movies from the bottom of the list and work my way up. So uh, I'll start off with the one that is lowest on the 200 all the way up to the one that's highest on the 200. I don't have the numbers here. I think the highest one is in the 20s, but, you know, that doesn't really matter. They're on the list. That's all that matters. So you were right to look uh, sooner or more recent films rather than earlier films. Uh, none of these films on the list are uh, classics. I mean, I, I was surprised. Not surprised, but I would have looked for like a Twelve Angry Men or something like that as well. And and, and no, though, none of those films from the <laughs> nothing black and white here. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, we're going to start off with a, a film that everybody bought the book, and by everybody I mean a lot of women bought the book. <laughs> were embarrassed oh. to read it on the subways. They went to see the movie Fifty Shades of Grey. Mind you, these are not good movies necessarily. Just profitable. <laughs> uh, then we have a very recent movie, uh, Steven Spielberg's latest Ready Player One. Did good at the box office. Not great reviews from uh, what I'm hearing, but uh, your mileage may vary. This one's an iffy one in terms of does it make the list or not. But you know, if I didn't count it on the list, then we'd only have eight choices. So well, just let it be on the list, people. Uh, this was a film about a guy on a boat with his tiger friend, Life of Pi. It's an irrational number, but it is a number. <laughs> Moving up to the next one on our list, this was an animated feature. Uh, it takes place, I believe, in the uh, illustrious imaginary hybrid city of San Tokyo. Big Hero 6, which is not a sequel to Big Hero 5, <laughs> though there were a lot of Twitter jokes saying, will I be able to jump right into Big Hero 6 having not seen 1 through 5? <laughs> People are funny. Uh, then we move into the top five on this list. This is a film with a very famous twist ending. No spoilers here, but come on, people. Bruce Willis is dead. The Sixth Sense. Oh. You're going to kick yourself now, my friend, because everybody loves a disaster movie. And the number four film on this list is indeed... 2012. Oh, it's devastating. Yes, it was devastating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, true words were never spoken, my friend. Do you like the Peter Jackson? Yeah, I do. Uh, somewhat. I like the Lord of the Rings, but that's about it. Yeah, well, uh, 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 what was that? What was that? What's that middle movie called? Oh, uh, ho, 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 ho. it's the two. I was thinking the Twin Towers. It's the two. No, towers. it is that's the two towers. Story. Yeah, Two Towers is uh, next. Y you know that other series that he did about uh, Bilbo? Oh, no. Is that in there, too? Battle of the Five Armies. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I think you may have heard of this uh, franchise, although uh, Episode 4 doesn't count. Episode 5 doesn't count. Episode 6 doesn't count. However, 
there's no reason that Rogue One shouldn't count because it's the name of the ship. Rogue yeah. One is the number one on this list. So you mentioned one of the answers, but I can't give you no points, sir. Oh, my heart bleeds. I can't believe Slumdog. I thought Slumdog I had. Hmm. It was more of a niche film. I mean, you know, you, you, you mentioned a lot of Oscar-nominated films. I mean, heck, 8 Mile won an Oscar for Eminem and uh, Lose Yourself. Mm. No account for taste. Look, I, I'm going to say this is more of a reflection on our culture than it is a reflection on me. Oh, absolutely. Look, let's pretend the first half never happened. <laughs> let's just hit the ground running here. Starting from scratch. Drop your buffs, Austin. <laughs> it's a I brand new it, game. So it can only go up. Indeed. Round three. Point values available to you are still two, four, six, and eight, but the categories, they're going to change. We're going to kick things off with Around the World. We're going to move along to Literature, follow it up with Movies, and we are going to wrap up round three with Analogies. But first things are first, Around the World, two, four, six, or eight. Let's go um, with uh, four for this one. Four points Around the World. Good luck. And here we go. The Axum Stele, that's S-T-E-L-A-E, Stele, uh, refer to a series of tower-like monuments, or Stele, that were monuments to the ancient rulers of the Axumite kingdom. In what country can you locate these monuments? Easy peasy. <laughs> well, lemon squeezy. Um, well, tower-like monuments, certainly... Uh... Stonehenge comes to mind as as a monument that has large objects, <laughs> for a lack of better description. Um, you know, one of the things that I have not been able to do in my last six years of grinding on editing is travel. And um, therefore, uh, this is another part where I'm really trying to learn. Stele, if there's different tower-like monuments, I, I'm trying to think of where those would be. I mean, those aren't really... They're not that big, so maybe towers isn't the right word there. Um, I'm thinking of Easter Island statues, but those would be more of faces. Um, Axumite. Axumite. It doesn't sound like it has a particular origin. Maybe Mediterranean, Ottoman Empire kind of thing. Um, I, I'm just going to go with the only thing that came to mind that I don't know the exact origin culture of, and I'm going to go with uh, with Malta. Malta is your answer, and possibly the first time that Malta has been answered on this podcast. So well done. I don't know if that gives you any points, but uh, that's, that's actually, no, it doesn't, but still. <laughs> the faces, the Easter Island statues uh, that you are talking of, uh, also known as Rapa Nui is the island, uh, belong to Chile. Uh, and those are called Moi, M-O-A-I, would be, uh, maybe that's the inhibitors, M-O-A-I, inferiors, but like, <laughs> they're pronounced Moi, and that's what those heads are called. Uh, not what we're looking for here, of course. Uh, we're looking for the Axumite Kingdom, which uh, was led by King Izana, who, uh, until recently, uh, had the tallest uh, remaining standing uh, Axum Stele. Uh, the reason that his was the tallest is because the uh, army from Italy... Uh, stole one at one point and uh, just recently gave it back to its uh, homeland. And that would be the country of Ethiopia. I know it was right on the tip of your tongue. It was, it was right there. Right <laughs> there. You're still standing, though. I mean, you know, not all of the Stella are still standing, but you're still standing. Let us just completely forget about that question. We're going to move on 
and uh, literature, books. You've been doing a lot of reading, right? Studying uh, school, haha, <laughs> college. No, no. <laughs> How much for literature, sir? Two, six, or eight? Let's let's go with uh, six. Gonna give it a shot. We're gonna be talking uh, the Holy Bibli here, uh, according to the Book of Numbers. Moses and Aaron are ordered to take a census of Israel. They are given three criteria for inclusion in the headcount. I need for you to get the points to name any two of the three criteria for inclusion in the Israeli census headcount. Well, I am Jewish, so this theoretically would be a, a category or a, a, a subject matter of the Bible that I would have a, a shot in. Um, my religious literature studies have dwindled off over time um, as my, uh, my other literature studies picked up. Um, so that might be a, this might be a good reminder to get back into that. Um, so Moses and Aaron had to create a census of the Israelites. One thing that I know was big back then was like their, um, I, I, I think that the tribe would be the right word, like the tribes of Israel. Um, that would be a, an important thing to know. Possibly, um, there was the famous lost tribe of Israel. So that could be one thing that they include, um, the three, so are these the three criteria for how you would be included or the three? How, how do you um, phrase that? So this is the three criteria to be included in the headcount. So uh, there were certain Israelites who uh, they counted and certain Israelites that they did not count. There were three certain properties, conditions, descriptions of these people. Uh, if you hit all three, you're on the list. If you were not in one of these three categories, you're not on the list. You don't count. Okay. So tribes maybe would not matter because they, if they're being included, then they would be part of a tribe. There's, you know, thinking about ancient literature, one would have to wonder if, if it's only factoring in the men, that that's the only metric that they can really consider important, that the women and children aren't as essential but I don't know if that makes sense either. I feel like they were a little bit more practical than that. What could be some other factors? Something to do with their origin and where they were from would, would seem like they were um, indicative of whether they'd be included or not. Uh, obviously, if you were not practicing idol worship, uh, or if you were practicing idol worship, that seems like it would be not something you would you would uh, want. But I feel like they probably already kicked those people out of the of the group. So I'm going to go take a shot here. Um, looking at the past question, is there anything Axamite? Maybe they're, they're might with axes. Were they good with axes? That could be a factor to include in the census. Or were they muy talented? I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to figure out ways we can go here. Uh, but they're all turning into puns. I don't think those were part of the Torah or the, or the Bible. I'll go with uh, the one category is male. Maybe they were focused on there being uh, soldiers, and that's how they had to include them in the in the census, and um, that they had to be uh, bar mitzvah. They, or oh, 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 a good one for the Torah would be if if we're going on the male category, they have to be uh, have had a bris or a circumcision. That would be a way to factor whether they're definitely you know following the covenant. So. Um, but I don't think I, that needs to be the answer. So we're going to go with male and uh, of age. 
This is uh, Numbers, of course. Uh, like you said, it is part of the Torah. It is uh, one of the five books of Moses there. Uh, none of that New Testament stuff that... Uh, <laughs> That uh, follows this is this is classic old Old Testament and uh, numbers is so called because uh, really most of this book is simply a a list of numbers. It's uh, yeah, and this tribe had five thousand six hundred and thirty three people, and this tribe had seven thousand two hundred and thirty three people. Like it just was a list of numbers. That's an exciting, exciting book of the Bible. I'm sure. I can see why uh, this one was skipped over in my Hebrew school. Indeed. Uh, really, the only uh, thing you need to know is that uh, Moses and Aaron are taking a census and not everybody counts. So uh, if you look to the American Constitution, even uh, who counts? Well, it's men. Good job there on the men. And you said of age. Now, you also said uh, they had to be circumcised. Now, you didn't mention bar mitzvah, so you didn't lock yourself into 13 years old, which is when you technically become a man. You said of age, and also in your musings, I heard you say, maybe this happens to be something where they're trying to generate an army. Uh, the three classifications here are you have to be male, you have to be 20 years old or more. I think that's of age you didn't specify and the third thing is you have to be able to serve in the army no uh people with uh without an arm or a leg or something so i'm giving you the six points here austin you said them all in your musings well done six points for you sir Whew, that was a hard earned and my uh my judaism is paying off in my adult life. That is, I got to tell my rabbi about this when I get up <laughs> there. That my first points in the trivia category were thanks to my religious teaching. So, and I, I specifically did not say bar mitzvah because I was not convinced it was then at that time. So, I appreciate your uh, your leniency in that. You know, I, I I gave you enough rope to hang yourself, and you didn't. And <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, okay. I, I see a huge smile on Austin's face. Uh, the the relief is palpable. <laughs> well, I've got to be honest. I I uh, the last time I did a trivia thing solo was uh, against uh, Rob on this week in Survivor history, and and I managed to score a zero in that, which should be an area of expertise. So I was starting to see things go the same direction. And uh, well, this is uh, I've already I've already beaten Josh Wiggler, right? I believe you have, yeah. He's he's no Tristan, but we're going to move along to movies. You have the high, low left. You have a two. You have an eight. How much for movies, sir? I'm hoping this is my redemption from the middle category, so I'm going to go with eight. Eight points on movies. Oh, I really wish you hadn't done that. But anyway, <laughs> here is your eight-point movie question. Remember, folks, I pick these question sets before I know who's going to be on the show. Good luck, sir. <laughs> Please get it right. Please get it right. He's not getting <laughs> in the 1976 film Logan's Run, at a special celebration called Carousel, all people who are about to turn 30 are invited to do what? Um, okay, Logan's Run. Are you familiar with the film Logan's Run? Um, you know, I did one. No, <laughs> I am not familiar. <laughs> um. I, I have not heard of that movie. Um, yeah, no, not only am I not familiar, I have not heard of it. So that's a that's a good sign. So the carousel, uh, I'm kind of envisioning this as like an Amish. Uh, what's what's the term? The uh, Rumspringer. Yeah. So let's think of um, this movie. 
what could possibly be interesting um you know the, the we've already seen the tie to the last question which was a coming of age to a certain extent and i don't think serving in the army is going to be the big thing they're all excited about to do when they turn 30 um so i'm gonna say in logan's run they can what what is so ridiculous um they can walk around naked <laughs> forever <laughs> Okay, sure. Uh, life begins at 40, nudity blinks at 30. Okay, I got you. Well, I mean, in one sense, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, they have no need for clothes after this. I'll tell you that much. I was, uh, okay, we'll see if this is going the direction I was. Okay, go ahead. So, uh, Logan's Run is uh, this science fiction film set in, uh, you know, one of those standard futuristic dystopian societies and uh you'll notice if you watch this film that it's got a very pristine white uh environment kind of like george lucas's thx 1138 which is another film you haven't seen but nevertheless uh (laughs) you know it's just like all the all the environments all the walls the doors it's just different shades of white and everyone wears these white outfits you know there's there's some color but it's 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 a very washed out kind of sterile environment they all live in these geodesic domes and, you know, well, uh, it gets crowded. So uh, when people turn 30, they hold this wonderful celebration where everyone about to turn 30 is invited. And by invited, I mean mandated <laughs> to uh, join the carousel, which uh, is this uh, event where they kind of uh, jump into a uh, spinning vortex that kind of goes around like a merry-go-round. Uh, and they get uh, completely vaporized in order to keep the population down. Oh, okay. Fun. Uh, well, <laughs> happy birthday to you. That clothes would be gone from that, so I think uh, I was really honest. I'm not giving you this one, Austin. <laughs> no, 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 that's I wouldn't expect it. I would prefer cake. Um, <laughs> just call me crazy. Um, I am. I'm about. Uh, you know. I'm close to twenty years past my uh, appointment at Carousel. Uh, yeah. The name of the movie Logan's Run is because there's a character named Logan. Logan Five, to be specific, and uh, he decides he does not want to join Carousel, and uh, he skedaddles Logan's Run, and uh, they try and track him down. It's uh, one of those things. Uh, no points for you on that one, but uh, I'm sure you're going to rush right out and see that. Uh, Happy, happy birthday to you. <laughs> well, now that I scored uh, six points, I'll just go do it now. I don't even need to stay around. Uh, no, no, no. You're not going anywhere, <laughs> mister. We still have a few questions left, including the final question of round three, which is analogies. It's going to be worth two points to you. I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic about this one than the last one. Are you ready, sir? I, I don't know where your optimism is coming from, but sure. Okay, good luck. And here is your analogy question simply put complete the following analogy edward logan is to boston as thurgood marshall is to what i believe uh i think i know this one but i might be really i i I don't want to overthink this but i want to make sure i think it through uh edward logan uh, i believe well boston is known for for logan airport uh yeah, Boston Logan Airport. I, I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, again, can't be can't be sure about anything these days. I've, I've learned that, but um, but I feel pretty good. 
Thurgood Marshall, therefore, would need to have an airport by this logic, uh, is my thought. There could be other reasons why these two are connected, but I, I believe there is an airport associated with Thurgood Marshall. And uh, I, I actually think that um, a local airport to me is associated with Thurgood Marshall. I, I don't know why I'm making this connection besides that I feel like the reason that because I am, it must be true. I, I can't picture a sign with it for some reason. But I'm pretty confident that Baltimore's airport, BWI, is BWI Thurgood Marshall. And so, therefore, I'm going to say Edward Logan is to Boston as Thurgood Marshall is to Baltimore. Baltimore is your answer. I have with me here the host, editor, creator, and uh, all-around godfather of Survivor, Maryland, who is talking to me from uh, Maryland. (laughs) God, yes. If you didn't know the name of your own gosh darn airport, sir, I would have been very disappointed with you. Yeah, Baltimore Washington Airport, BWI, is known as BWI Thurgood Marshall. Baltimore is the correct answer. Uh, Logan Airport in Boston. Well done, two points for you, sir. We will take it. And uh, I know you just said last question that you don't choose these these uh, these questions for the people. but uh, But I will take that as a fortuitous sign for my second half. Hey, you know what? Any port in a storm, any uh, any Camden in a yard, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> eight points for you, sir. Well done. Uh, let me wait quickly. Let me do the math here. Hold on one second. Eight plus zero. Carry the one plus zero. Eight points. Eight points as we head to the final round. But the good news, sir, is that the final round, round four, highest scoring possible round of the game. We're going to throw those points all the way up to three, five, seven, and nine. And here are the categories we're going to be using in our final round four. We're going to start things off with That Happened. Follow that up with Pop Goes the Blank. Move along to Science. And we're going to wrap up round four and the regulation of play with Television. I know you've been waiting for it. There it is. But we won't get there until we start with That Happened. How many points? Three, five, seven, or nine? Let's go with... We'll go with five for that. Five points where that happened. All right, good luck. Here is your question. Earlier this month, an Indiana man named Herbie Shehorn asked his local convenience store for $10 in Mega Millions tickets. Despite not matching any numbers in that night's lottery drawing, he was given a check for $703,588. Why? Okay. Speculate uh, away, Austin. <laughs> well, all I can say is that now Herbie is fully loaded. Ooh. <laughs> um, this is going to be a lot of speculation. Obviously, Mega Millions has certainly been in the news, but mostly for people not getting the jackpot or, or matching the numbers. I, I forgot to buy my ticket for tonight, which uh, at the time of recording is, uh, what, $1.6 billion? Uh, indeed, $1.6 billion. Uh, yeah. Which uh, could be, I believe, uh, that's what, uh, five oh, hours of M&M's? Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> on the same pages, yeah. Um, <laughs> now, Herbie uh, Shoehorn, um, uh, it seems like it's missing a letter there. Maybe that. Maybe they just paid him for that, unfortunately. So. <laughs> um, why would he get paid at a convenience store $703,588? You said he did not match any numbers. He did not match any numbers in that night's lottery drawing? Well, um, 
maybe uh, Herbie got a paper cut by the lottery ticket. Don't think that'd be worth that much. Uh, I will say that a uh, the ceiling fell on Herbie in the convenience store. A ceiling fell on Herbie in the convenience store, uh, causing him uh, much personal harm, and this was some sort of settlement for damages. Certainly uh, plausible. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Certainly plausible. Uh, not the correct answer. Uh, here's what happened to Herbie Shehorn in this Indiana convenience store, Austin. Stop me if you've heard this one before. He goes home that night, checks his ticket against the numbers that were drawn. Didn't match a single one. Turns out the clerk at this store sold him tickets to a different lottery drawing, the Cash oh. Five. And when those numbers came out, he matched all of them and he won the grand prize. That is unbelievable. I mean, really the odds of that happening. So, uh, you know, I, I can't give you the points, but, you know, uh, maybe if you get the next one wrong, it'll actually be the answer to the following question. So, there's still hope. <laughs> uh, Pop Goes the Blank is next. You have a three, you have a seven, you have a nine. I'm going to go with a uh, seven. Seven points, Pop Goes the Blank. Uh, complete the following dialogue from a Tom Cruise movie that isn't Top Gun. 82, 82, 82. 82 what? Blank. So Tom Cruise movies. The one that's really jumping to mind here is Jerry Maguire because there's a number 82 um, and that, that's a ball number. I'm trying to think what other Tom Cruise movies it's could be it could be Mission Impossible certainly eighty two down eighty two he was negotiating Jerry Maguire's contract and he went for uh, eighty two million and it ties back to the the Mega Millions. Okay, that is uh, very logical. I had a feeling that uh, anyone who heard me say Tom Cruise movie and uh, number eighty two, thinking of maybe Cuba Gooding Jr. perhaps was number eighty two in that movie, or uh, perhaps it was a, a Show Me the Money reference here in terms of that line that is oh so famous from Jerry Maguire. Uh, unfortunately, it's not Jerry Maguire. Uh, it is not Mission Impossible. Uh, this is a movie with uh, Dustin Hoffman. It is called Rain Man, and he uh, is uh, an autistic, but in addition to his autism, he has an incredible math skills, and he can count items on the floor. Uh, someone drops some items. He goes, 82, 82, 82. 82 what? Toothpicks. He is counting toothpicks. He looks down. He knows instantly that there are three sets of 82 there for a total of 246. And then he goes and watches Judge Wapner and all that stuff. Toothpicks is the answer. I'm sure it was at the tip of your tongue. Remember when I... Movies has not been my strength today, and uh, that was yet another one that I have not seen. And I, I feel like I've, I'm constantly adding to my list. So that's... Logan Run, I'm not sure... You know, that might that must be at the top, but uh, right below that. But <laughs> Indeed. Well, I'll make a deal with you. If you promise to watch Logan's Run, then uh, every one of my listeners will promise to watch... Uh, Survivor Maryland, now available on YouTube, uh, the complete uh, all-star season. I will take that trade. I, yeah, I will I will post. Uh, if if one person from watching your show starts watching uh, Survivor Maryland and, and tweets to me or you about it, then I will promise to watch Logan's run. Excellent. Excellent. It is a done deal. Uh, what is not a done deal is this game over. For we still have two questions left. We have a three. We have a nine. Science is next. Three or nine, sir. We can go three for science. 
Pray for science. Good luck. And here is your science question. It is pretty much common knowledge that humans, have you heard of these things called humans? Um, humans normally have 46 chromosomes. As, uh, as it turns out, uh, also certain antelope have 46 chromosomes. But I want to know from you, Austin, what is the only creature known to have 82 chromosomes? I feel like I have heard this one before. Unfortunately, don't know what it is off the top of my head. Um, this is going to end up being a bit of a shot in the dark again. And it's got to be some sort of... I don't know what it's got to be, some sort of... It could be anything. Um, we will go with uh, cats. Cats is your answer. I guess, you know, obviously the spinoff from the previous question was the number 82. I, I thought it's science. Why don't I see uh, if there's any animals out there that have 82 chromosomes? And it turns out there is one and only one. So it made for an interesting question. Uh, this is an animal who, if you encountered it, Austin, it could probably snap you in two like a toothpick. Uh, and then you said oh, toothpick. Cats. Yes, exactly. Cats. Right. All right. You get the points. Congratulations. No, uh, they're going to use the toothpick because they have a lot of teeth. Sharp teeth. The great white shark. Okay. Look, that's one chromosome per tooth. It, it makes sense to me. Hey, you know, uh, it really is a haphazard random thing, but uh, life is haphazard and random, is it not? It's, it's profound. Uh, we have lined up all the dominoes, and now all that's left to do is knock the first one over and see if the last one can fall off the table. <laughs> Television is our final question. That was for you, Austin. Thank you for getting that. I, I, uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Television is your final question. It is going to be worth nine points to you. I am pulling for you because it's a nine-point question. Good luck, and here we go. What member of the investment panel on TV's Shark Tank was also one of the hosts of the 2008 Discovery Channel series called Planet Earth, which discussed the uh, issue of global warming, which isn't so wonderful a thing. I do know of Shark Tank. I've seen a couple episodes of it. Step um, in the right direction. My dad, <laughs> my dad is a bigger fan of Shark Tank than I am. He is not in the room, and I don't think I'm allowed to ask him, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, and I don't think he would know the answer to this. W what I will go with is uh, the, the person on Shark Tank that I most identify with. Or, well, that's really – I'm not a billionaire, so I can't identify with this person <laughs> very much at all. But that I, uh, that I can identify is, is uh, a man who uh, is, is very wealthy, who has often taken um, strong political stances, I would say. And um, is not afraid to voice those, and so I, I can feasibly see him on a uh, a, a global warming oriented uh, product. Um, and so I am going to go and uh, hope this is right. Not confident, but I'm going to go with Mark Cuban. I had a feeling that's where you were leaning with that. Uh, Mark Cuban certainly. Uh... One of the members of the panel of Shark Tank, absolutely. Well, like you, he is quite the maverick. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the clue here, in addition to be a member of Shark Tank, is I said that uh, global warming is not so wonderful a thing. There is one of the panelists whose nickname on the show is Mr. Wonderful, because he is always uh, so pleasant, so pleasing. Uh, although the sarcasm is dripping from his shark-like teeth. This is the, the bald guy who sits in the middle between Barbara <laughs> and Damon. Uh, this would be Kevin O'Leary. I would have said the bald guy in the middle. Would that have counted? 
Uh, you know, I, I might have at least uh, given you a hint at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin O'Leary, good for him for, uh, for promoting Indeed. his causes. Bravo for Gary Hogaboom. Bravo for Gary Hogaboom. I know that's partially a Survivor reference. It's partially a Saturday Night Live reference that you don't get. So we'll just leave it at that and move on to the confidence question, Austin. I'll, I'll fill you in later. Uh, it, it is time for that confidence question. Uh, it is your last chance to try and improve your final score. Only one question is before you. Only one answer is required. I will give you the category. And you must, must wager between one and ten points. Get it right. I will happily add it to your score. But if you get it wrong, oh, Austin, if you get it wrong, I am going to force you to stand outside with one hand on some stupid metal structure in the center of campus for hours and hours on end, although you could leave at any time and just say, I have exams or something and I have to go to the bathroom because that seems to be a commonplace on your show. Anyway, I ask you, Austin, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in a category I am calling the Innocence Project? You know... I'm I'm pretty happy with uh, with my eight points as it stands. Don't want to go too low, um, and, and I feel like five is a nice round number threshold. Although I do like even numbers, so could be hurt myself here. But eleven's a good number for me. I'm gonna go with three. Three. Okay, three points for you. Good luck. Let's see if you can get into double digits with the following confidence question: The Innocence Project. Daniel Pegleg Sullivan is now believed to be the true culprit of an incident that began on the corner of DeCoven and 12th Street. In 1997, police officially exonerated what previous suspect? Uh, I do know of the Innocence Project uh, from the, uh, the great serial podcast. Um, I believe that was, that was part of uh, the first season of that. They, they mentioned that. Um, I don't think this is related to that at all. Daniel Pegleg Sullivan, which is quite a name. Um, I feel like there's got to be some sort of uh, notoriety to, to this suspect um, who, who was exonerated. I, uh, I don't. It's, it's definitely uh, too late for OJ. Don't think it's that. I don't know. When were the Scott Peterson... Uh, all the Petersons, all the, they're all them in the mix. Um, I uh, do not know. It's <laughs> the simple way of putting this. Uh, um, the Coven and 12th Street could be pretty much anywhere. I don't know. Marilyn Manson. <laughs> could you tell me what uh, famous crime Marilyn Manson was accused of? <laughs> I could not. Fair enough. Marilyn Manson is your answer. I think we know where this is going. Uh, <laughs> well, funny story, Austin. So there was this incident that uh, began on the corner of DeCoven and 12th Street. It's an incident that actually took place uh, way back on October 8th of 1871. Oh. And uh, it wasn't until oh, good 125 years later that uh, this uh, historian did a lot of research. And he uncovered uh, a lot of documents and uh, firsthand accounts of this guy named Daniel Pegleg Sullivan, who was one of the first uh, witnesses to report uh, this incident to the uh, authorities. And he poked a lot of holes into his story. Uh, he said that he uh, saw the incident start and he uh, ran immediately towards it. And, uh, well, you know, his name was Pegleg for a reason. 
he had a peg leg. So the whole concept of him running towards anything was a little uh, specious at best. Uh, he determined that he could not actually see the incident from where he said he was standing at the time. Uh, and basically, uh, they believe that uh, Peg Leg Sullivan is, in fact, responsible for going inside of this uh, somewhat empty of people barn, uh, smoking a pipe, falling asleep, and starting the Great Chicago Fire. It was oh. Daniel Peg Leg Sullivan and not Mrs. O'Leary's cow. Oh, God. That's a camp song. I could have... I've... <laughs> And it's very old school for my life, but uh, not. So you're saying not Marilyn Manson? Not Marilyn Manson. No. And in 1997, after uh, this research came out, the uh, city of Chicago, the police department, the fire department uh, held a ceremony. Uh, all of Catherine O'Leary's uh, descendants uh, were passed. Um, I believe all the descendants of the cow had been eaten. Uh, and uh, well, they still had the ceremony and said, "Mrs. O'Leary, your cow. You are both." Free to go. <laughs> a little late, but what are you going to do? If only they had snuffed their torch before the fire broke out, but uh, alas, twas not to be. Austin, uh, you uh, do not get the points. I have to take them away, which leaves you with five, which may not be the highest score we've ever had. It's certainly far from the lowest score we've ever had, but in terms of sheer uh, enjoyment, at least on my end, hopefully on yours as well, uh, much fun was had. Is there anything you'd like to say before I send you merrily on your way? Merrily, that's a good one there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that was intentional. Uh, sincere thank you for having me on. I, uh, I enjoyed the challenge um, greatly. Another reality show for you there. Um, and uh, I, I will keep my pledge for Logan's run, but I, I really do appreciate you being a, a supporter of my show for the last few months and uh, I, I know I didn't sell it as much of the time but if there is anyone who, who is into reality TV or even just into college kids doing crazy things certainly go watch the first episode of All Stars and uh, and you might be hooked I don't know um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I you know it it the uh, clearly was a labor of love for you, Austin, and uh, it shines through. Uh, I am uh, happy to have uh, stumbled across this and uh, kudos. Uh, not uh, there are a lot of people out there who set their sights on finishing a project, and uh, very few actually do finish it, let alone one as high quality as yours. So I highly recommend that everyone go out and uh, watch Survivor Maryland. Please watch it, because uh, if you don't watch it, I'm going to have to bring him back into the hot seat again and again until you do watch it. And really, I'm sick of him already. So <laughs> I kid, I kid. But anyway, Austin, get out of my hot seat. You can go. <laughs> I will go. And uh, and uh, it was a pleasure to be part of your week. Uh, thank you, sir. And thank you all for listening. And we will be back next week with a brand new episode of Meet My Guest. Until that time, take care and bye-bye. Did you beat our guest or did our guest beat you? Tell us all about it on Twitter, at BMGPod, or email us, bmgpod at gmail.com. Also, please review and rate us on iTunes, and if you liked what you heard, spread the word. This has absolutely not been a Mark Goodson, Bill Todman production. Late last night, when we were all in bed, Mrs. O'Leary hung a lantern in the shed, and when the cow kicked it over, she winked her eye and said, it's gonna be hot time in the old town tonight. Fire, fire, fire!